First of all, I'll start the recording. I will share the screen with the computer audio. I'm really privileged to have the maestro that is Dudley Bright tonight. Someone who I've admired for a very long time and had the pleasure of um, sharing worship at Regent Hall and looking at the list of music, I was surprised by how many pieces I had in my collection. So it's a real treat to be with someone who I found. I actually remember, remember actually playing any of it, but I think I enjoy listening more than playing. But Dudley, hello, good evening. Welcome to the club. How are you? Nice to be here. It's a privilege is all mine. Well, it's, I think some of the responses I've had, it's been more enjoyable than I could possibly have anticipated. But we're just going to have a bit of a waffle, talk about compositions and the bright musical history, and we'll go from there. But um, I know you're a trombonist, you've, you've got professional capabilities, but um, I'd like to know, where did it all start from you from a, a writing music point of view, that outside of your own family and on the stands of the, the local Salvation Army band were the first to hear this piece of composition that you put together and you were brave enough that other people wanted to play it. When did that first happen? Uh, do you know, I don't really know. Um, I remember my, my father bringing sort of scrap paper home from work and me drawing five lines on it. I, I, as far as I can remember, I, I've always wanted to write something down. Um, but as regards getting anything played, um, I can't remember, you know. I think um, a Boscombe band came to uh, Wealdstone um, with Ken, Ken Downey was bandmaster and they played my first march, which wasn't very good. But I thought that was a tremendous encouragement from someone like him. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. Obviously, you've, as you say, composing from an early age before you started being published and looking on the music index, your first thing was... And, Rise Up, O Youth, of March 1972. Fortunately, I couldn't trace a recording of it. The first, I think the first march I can trace is Spirit of the West, which is 1982. Oh, that's a lot further on, yeah. yeah. Which I think was written for a music camp in America, if I remember my uh, sleeve notes. But, um, you know, so what was it like, you know, when you first sort of got your music on the stands of the local Salvation Army band and they wanted to play it, and you, know, you were still a player and enjoying it, what was that experience like? Can you remember? Uh, I never had that experience. Um, we, I don't think we ever did play anything of mine. Ooh, so who, <laughs> who, who was the first band to play a bit of Dudley Bright music, Salvation Army music then? Or music destined for the, the you know, religious music? Um, I don't know. It, it was probably the staff band when I sent something in. Really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah, normally the local YP band gets inflicted. I, I've done this quintet for mum and dad. Would you like to have a look at it? So, yeah, um, yeah. Um, you, you obviously as a you've developed into a professional composer and player with the various orchestras and stuff, as well as your trombone playing and your instrument playing with the Salvation Army band. So, was that something that you started out to do to become the professional musician rather than I know a bricklayer or the local uh, postman? Was the professional <laughs> musician always on the cards? 
Uh, very much not, no. I, I, the local army people said, oh, you don't want to be a musician. It's very insecure. Mm. Uh, you, always, you have to hang around pubs to get work. Uh, and, um, well, I've never hung around pubs to get work, and I've never been without work until, until now. Okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, but the, uh, the idea was that I would, um, I, I couldn't do anything but music, so I was going to be a teacher. And I went to college to learn the trombone, and um, it, I just sort of fell into orchestral playing. Uh, and there it was facing me, so I, I, I went along with it. Mm. What's the, obviously there's a different kind of, I would guess, uh, a dramatic learning in the sense of in an orchestra as opposed to playing a trombone in an army band. The, the discipline is slightly different. And also in an orchestra, you're, you're playing music that can be chronically different to playing in an army band, whereas most it's religious music or transcription of a famous piece. So how did you learn the discipline between the two? Well, when I first started out, playing in orchestra, the, the sound was very, very different. Um, the, the, at that time, um, orchestral trombone playing was, was very warm and big, and uh, the, the, the pea shooters of the brass band world were still not far behind. Um, so there was actually a, a, a big difference in sound. And obviously there's the, I remember going for an uh, audition for the National Youth Orchestra, and I played my bit and the, uh, the lady doing the audition said, you play with vibrato. And I went, do I? And I don't think I knew what she meant. <laughs> uh, but I, I said, well, I don't think I do it when I play it in the orchestra. And I, it never, I'd never really thought about it, but that, that, those are different. But um, one of the big differences is that uh, you have to sit around for an awful long time doing nothing in, in a symphony orchestra. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I always dread friends coming to concerts and seeing me afterwards and saying, you don't do very much. Well, it's, you're just playing your part, aren't you? I mean, if you know, I, I think um, Stephen Cobb famously said that his father got really annoyed at the lengths that Les Condon put into the present age because cornets worked, you know, really long intervals that were so unusual. So presumably that training helped when the trombone doesn't become the primary instrument and you can kind of, you're not sitting there trying not to look bored, but to be able to contribute and listen to what the rest of the band are doing because of that formulaic training. Is that, would that be a fair thing to say or is that total balderdash? Well, uh, I, I, the thing was that once, once I'd left college and got myself, I, I was uh, principal trombone in the Halle Orchestra from almost, what, as, really? soon, yeah, almost as soon as I, had, I left college. Um, and I, I, that I was Maisie Wiggins, wasn't it? I think she was a little bit before me. I'm, no, I'm, I know. I'm not saying you were in there at the same time, but the same orchestra. <laughs> in fact, my immediate predecessor was Chris Mert, who's also uh, has been known to write Salvation Army music in his mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and but I didn't play in an army band. So um, I, it's only in in recent years um, okay. since yeah. we went to Regent Hall, and I've I've been able to uh, take part in in the corps. So when you were, um, yeah, when you started writing music, I mean, obviously your first piece was published 1972, but obviously there were pieces that were, that were written and completed and then just weren't sent in for years after that. And the order of things written is completely different to the order of things published. So from a, you know, 
if you weren't playing in a Salvation Army band when you were being published by the Army, you had the great position near the cross, Brooklands, one of my favourites, Abundant Joy. You know, how, really? did, how did you get the sense of, you know, did you have a brass band that was saying, okay, this is going to be sent into the Salvation Army headquarters? Would you mind having a blow for it so I can hear it? Because obviously the idea in your head is different to hearing the cornets and trombones in real life going, that section at C doesn't sound quite right, Dudley. What were you trying to think of? Yeah, no, that never really, uh, never really happened to me. Um, I don't know if that is what actually ha happens to composers, um, but I, I, I certainly lack that that kind of um, encouragement and help. I'm, uh, some of, I, I ha do have a letter from my very earliest submission from Ray Devon Allen, and it's a mm -hmm. piece called a piece called Beautiful Mansions. Ooh. And I can date it because I, I, I don't know if you've seen the photo that's floating around of me standing in front of the uh, International Staff Band playing a trombone solo. There's Have you seen few, that photo? I, there's a, probably a few, but nothing come, I haven't seen anything recently, so... Yeah, yeah, that, no, that's a very old photo. Um, and uh, on the same, the same letter from him, he, he congratulated me on my, my performance on that night, and I was actually 14. So, and, and he actually took the trouble to point out some of the things I needed to do. Um, mm. But, but once, once I got uh, a, a thing, something published that it was, you know, either they took it or they didn't. And there's, there's not a lot of uh, reje rejects as it were. Oh, that's interesting. Did, um, who were your mentors, you know, when you were developing your musical process? Was there anybody that you can think of that would, you know, you'd be brave enough to sit down and say, look, I'm working on a speech. Would you mind having a look? Um, no, uh, I didn't. <laughs> no, I, I'm probably, I mean, I obviously uh, learned to college. Um, mm -hmm. And in fact, I, um, when I was at school, uh, I had a very good music teacher. He was very strict and made you do your four-part harmony. But uh, we used to, I, I grew up in the borough of Harrow Mm -hmm. And um, there was a, an annual competition, and which used to be very formulaic, and, and the, the oldest people um, uh, got to sort of harmonise a hymn tune or something. But when I when I got to that age, they they changed it to more open uh, categories. And um, one year I, w I won it playing the trombone, and um, uh, a kind of prize for that was to play a movement of a concerto with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, but then I'd won that. So the next year I, I, I um, won, won the competition writing a brass quartet. And that was played by members of the Royal Philharmonic, which was quite scary. Uh, <laughs> but very so, happily, I would have thought, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, and I, I thought, well, this is good. I, well, next year I'll write a piece for orchestra and then I'll have a whole orchestral piece played um, and the, the result was they said oh, you can't enter it because you've won for two years running <laughs> um, and I said well so the local the, the music advisor I, I actually got my tea here yeah oh an army cup of tea my wife's best tea <laughs> um, and uh, the music advisor said well can I see this piece you've written uh, and, and I showed it to him and he said, well, we'll get the Royal Philharmonic to play it. So they played this piece. I do have a recording of it, actually. Um, uh, it was called Dance for Orchestra. 
Um, some of it's a bit childish, but um, I'm quite proud of it for my age. So yeah, that um, and um, there was composing a composing class at the National Youth Orchestra, and I, I sent in a few pieces for that. Um, but generally, on the army side, I was very much on my own. Okay. I don't uh, know. Just, yeah, I mean, some calls they have people come in and come through and some cause it's like unless I went to London and I went to or I went to an event and I had it in and RSA said look I'll be there bring the score in your backpack kind of thing you know you wouldn't be exposed to that would you no I don't I don't think <laughs> I don't know I did have a, a very early trombone solo that I tried at um, North London Youth Band with Ray, Ray Bowes was the conductor um, and I, I remember it for one thing uh, because afterwards someone came up and said huh you think you're so clever why why do you write sub p and he said why can't you write double piano like everybody else and instead of sub p of course subito suddenly piano um, that's why I, I, I don't know what happened to that um, were you familiar with the with the actual sort of um technical concepts when you were when you were composing because talking to other composers they you know self-taught they were just doodling around and then someone said you do know that's officially called harmonization like, is it i just done it because it came naturally or yeah. was that training in you <laughs> it wasn't natural at all though, but uh, it was very much self-taught and self-found out um, but of course i had the musical training of music college but i, I didn't train as a composer um, uh, but I, all the usual influences were there of the, the army composers and, uh, you know, the top ones. Uh, I just, you know, wanted to produce stuff like they did. Uh, never quite managed it. Well, I, I, I think there are some plenty of um, excellent pieces in your repertoire that would stand up with the greatest. And I would put them up there with the greatest. Um, oh, you're too kind. Well, no, I, it's one you get some composers who I've heard of said, well, He's a bit functional, it's kind of automatic pilot for him and obviously some composers, they take deliberately a time and effort to produce some pieces. I mean, I've been really surprised that many composers are not ambitious to say, I, I'm not bothered about the Royal Albert Hall, but I want the local band to be able to play it because it will be played. The worst thing of having a piece of music is it's sitting on the shelf, so I want to write it for people to use. So yeah. do you find yourself as a functional composer? No, I'm the other way around. Uh, I think my, I've aimed for the Albert Hall. <laughs> yes, I, I've been there when you've done it. In fact, in fact, I just come back to me, my very first, I saw Julian in the corridor and I said, where's your brother? And he said, oh, he's, he's around the corner. And he said, go on, Morvin, go on me. And I said, I've never met you before. And they'd just done Fantasia on Glory to His Name. Okay, yeah. And in Which is really, it isn't my music, really. No, it's a, a fantasia of seven and that. But I said, you know, it was the first time I met you. I said, you know what, I've been waiting a long time. And that piece of music just took my breath away. Will you stop keep taking my breath away, Dudley, with all this <laughs> wonderful music? But yeah. it's just, it's a wonderful thing to hear. And yeah. I, know, I remember I was at Butlins. I mean, we're going to different pieces. And they, the piece of music of yours, I can never pronounce properly, P-A-E-A-N. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, apparently it was written after you'd had some surgery as a thank you. Ah, uh, yeah. That's, if that's correct, if it's not, I had, a, I had quadruple bypass. That's heavy. 
That's not something yeah. you have every day. Yeah, yeah. So was was it kind of in the works? Because you were, obviously you knew you had to have the surgery. Um, so you know you had the surgery. We're thankful it went well, and PA came out. Now was that kind of yeah. developing in your mind before the surgery? Or oh, no, no, not at all. Um, actually, it was a request from there's a there's a very strong um, Christian um, band movement in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, you know, non-Salvation Army. Well, I think it includes the Salvation Army, but there's a lot of religious bands there. Yeah. There's also a lot of political bands, e even uh, a lot of um, Swiss villages. They have the, the equivalent of the Conservative band and the Labour Party band. Mm -hmm. And they also, also have the church band. Yeah. Um, but they were having some kind of anniversary and they contacted me and said, could you write us a piece? Um, and actually it was premiered on exactly the same uh, night uh, as it was played at the Albert Hall by the ISB. So it was, it was premiered in two places at the same time. But, um, you know, looking around for something to write, that's, uh, that's what I thought, you know, I need to write something um, that's acknowledging what's just happened to me. And yeah. um, I'm a very lucky man. We, we, we thank God for it. I knew that you'd be, I'd, being told that you've been ill, obviously not the details, but um, when you get asked to write music, and I, I think I've asked this of every composer and arranger, regardless of what the tune is, how do you put your own sort of perspective on making the tune original, bearing in mind that there's an RSA, Ken Downey, Jim Kerno, Bill Hines, right? how do you make the Dudley Bright version different? I mean, you obviously got your own character, but if you're using a very famous, I don't know, like St. Denio, how do you how do you try and keep it separate? I, yeah, I think it's it's more that I'm not very good at copying. So even if I... Even though we're exposed to radios and music and you get the earworm of that advert and you find, you say, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, even if I intended to write something that sounded by like it was by Stephen Allen, uh, it wouldn't sound, it would just sound like me. Yeah. Uh, I think Stephen Pearson, who, uh, when he heard that, uh, Fantasia on uh, Glory to His Name said that he said I, I um, he said oh yes he said I can hear that still can hear your finger marks so I, I think often often they come from inadequacy uh, it, 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 you hear something repeated that you're not very good at um, so that's that's your sound really Do, are there genres of army music that you don't find particularly easy to write. And you know, sort of a trombone solo request comes through, yes, I can do that, but, you know... No, that, oh, not at all. That was um, uh, Life's Command, um, uh, which I recorded with the ISB. Um, that was very hard to write. I, I'd never written anything for, for the trombone, and uh, I think when you know a lot about it, you, it, it, um, it inhibits you. Because mm. you think, oh, you know, that would be too hard to play. Rather than just play, hearing the sound of the instrument. If you, my, my daughter plays, plays the flute and I just hear a flute and I think, ah, uh, what does, sounds good on a flute? And, mm. and I want to write it. Um, I don't know whether that might be difficult fingering. My granddaughter tells me, um, uh, oh, you know, Papa, that, that, that's really awkward fingering. <laughs> <laughs> she, she plays the saxophone. Um, but the trom trombone, you're, it's, it's inhibits the, the creative process. So that, that was quite a long time in coming, actually. Yeah. Um, obviously, you started out with um, the pen and paper. Uh, is that still the case now? 
that if you have an idea or if someone says I want a solo or an arrangement based on you know you, you go and look at if you, you know the tune you go and look it up is it kind of doodle it out before or are you not a Sibelius finale user I mean do you do pen and paper and then get somebody else to put it on or do you have the computer skills to say right him tune arrangements and Denio Sibelius here we go how does the, the process begin I, I think there's a lot of questions all together in there as I'll see if I can remember remember them all uh, but uh, how sort of like how does a piece originate I don't I don't necessarily start with a tune okay um, so yeah, yeah I mean when, when we were talking about you know doing an Albert Hall piece um, my first Albert Hall piece was um, back in uh, it was a piece called Confrontations I don't know if that okay <laughs> Was that when it published or when? It's Tone Poem published for Two Theatre Festival Series 1982, according to the list. Yeah, well, I look, I wrote that piece when I was at college. Yeah. Uh, And uh, we were actually, there was, uh, they started up a class, someone thought there should be a class for brass band scoring, and they um, hired in um, Donald Osgood. Wow. Uh, now that's a name from the past. Yeah, so very yeah, yeah, well, name. Yeah, I'm quite old. <laughs> no, Donald uh, has been a well, long time. I never met him, but he's still a phenomenally good person and composer and arranger. Yeah, and what a great subject. I mean, he did. There, there's not a lot around by him, but it's all marvelous. Yeah. Uh, you know, right from I, I love them all. A, a piece like Noel mm-hmm. uh, in the in the green. Christmas thing. Yep. I think the way that starts, it's just a trance series piece. It didn't sound like it. Mm. And, and quite adventurous for its time. And yeah. m- marches like Matondo. And he, he, of course, he did the band arrangement of um, that everybody loves of, of French. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a yeah. Donald thing. So, and off the top of my head, I can't think of that. Anyway, he was, um, he, he said to the class, I mean, most of them were just basically. Um, doing arrangements for, you know, a, a hymn tune into a brass quartet, and that they, they had most of my colleagues didn't have um, knowledge of the brass band. But I, I did some score scoring for him. I think I did a a, a Beethoven piano sonata into brass band. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, he said, oh, I've had a request from the Yorkshire Imperial Metals Band uh, that they're interested in trying anything that we're producing. Oh, interesting. And, and, and going back to what you were saying earlier about having your pieces tried out, yeah, I thought, wow, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I, um, you know, it's very rare that I ever hear anything of mine done. I'm, I'm just send it, send it up in hope, hope that it's going to get played. Yeah. I'm going to write them a piece. I'm going to write them a, you know, a completely um, original piece, yeah. and send it to them. And um, well, as I used to, I didn't get very far with that. Um, I, I wrote about 30 bars and um, uh, never sent it to them. And then I was looking at it and I thought, um, I'll try and do something with this. And I picked it up and I realised, um, no, I, 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 that's right, I finished it. And um, we used to have a brass band at Guildhall where I studied. Uh, but it had trumpets and French horns. It wasn't a, a proper brass band. Mm-hmm. But um, I finished the piece and showed it to Dennis Wick, who was the uh, your, your 
oh, you're a drummer. Uh, but uh, most most brass players see that his name on the side of their mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he was my I'll teacher. Take your word, but I'm afraid the name means nothing to me. But well, there we are. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter how look you, how much you look at the side of your drum, you won't see his name. Yeah, but just well, okay. My drum, it just says Woodbridge Core number four three five. Okay, yeah, you've seen you've seen people using gold mouthpieces. Yes, yes. Well, most of the gold mouthpieces are Dennis Rick mouthpieces. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And they often my... post pictures of his different euphoniums and they've all got different makes and people on it. So yeah. you can get a mouthpiece in the corner that's of superior quality. I know that much. Yeah, he's... I, uh... I the corner, I broke the valve and the bandmaster said, get on the drum. <laughs> um, so he, uh, he, he took this piece of mine and he played it in a concert at Guildhall. Um, and that was lying around for a, a little while um, through the years. And I, I picked it up and had a look. And I noticed that my main motif was exactly the same. Well, it's, it's two things, really. It's a bit, a bit like um, uh, This Is Your Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, anyone outside of the UK not watching this will have a clue what we're talking about. Okay, but it's also uh, the last few notes of um, Stanley Dittmer's beautiful song, I'm in His Hands. Yeah. I'm in his hands. And there I had a piece in front of me that had that motive running all the way through it. Mm-hmm. There was no intention of putting that tune in there. Yeah. So that's what you were saying about, you know, starting with a tune. I started with the music. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I thought, well, can I do something with this? And I found two spots in that piece where I could just pause, put the tune in um, to start with. And the first time it comes is just the, the chorus. And then later on, a similar place, I could put the verse and chorus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put it together, I sent it up, and Raybo said, um, oh, we'd like to do this at the Albert Hall this year. And I said, jaw-dropping, you know? Um, uh, when is it? And he told me, like, oh, I'm in uh, Sweden with the orchestra, <laughs> so I couldn't be there. Um, and they don't have tape recorders in them days and mobile phones. Hang on, we'll just video it for you. Well, it was it was it was recorded on an LP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what an LP vinyl black thing, you know? Yes, yes. I've got so one that, that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it, it it actually got um, recorded by um, about five about five LPs in, in those days. Yeah. And it's actually come up on a couple of CDs more recently. Yeah. Um, but that was, uh, yeah, that was a, an example of, of, of really a piece um, being taken out of my hands in a way. And uh, Raybo said, oh, we're not sure about the ending. Can you have a look at it? Maybe extend it. So I, I, uh, coming back to what you said earlier, this is uh, a bit of help. And I added 32 bars to the ending. Okay. Um, so that that is, and I can to me I can hit slightly different style, mm-hmm. probably a little mm-hmm. bit more mature and uh, um, 
facile um, for the an, a better ending. He was right. But um, yeah, so that was, uh, and I've never had the aim to write wipey band pieces, but. Yeah, it's probably one of the Yeah, it's probably one of the Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to um, hear the differences in experience and sort of your daily walk as a professional musician with these orchestras and with these outside ensembles and bands and brass people who want to say, hey, Dudley, can you write something for us? And you've suddenly got to sort of go off on a skew from what you may be doing and do something different. Um, when you accepted the invitation, I looked at the music, I said, look, I said to Dean, I think right from day one, there's going to be composers that I have a piece of music that I absolutely adore. And I, said, I want to know the whole DNA behind it. And for me, there's actually two pieces of Dudley Bright music that hit me every time. One is found for him in Thanksgiving, which I think for some reason gets overlooked because it's a lovely little suite of music. But how did that come about? Um, I'm just trying to remember which one it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. I could play if I had my player out. <laughs> Yeah, um, that was written for uh, a band in, uh, another band in Switzerland. I was going for, we've just had Ascension Day and it's something that's not um, uh, celebrated in this country. Mm. But in a lot of Europe, Ascension Day is, is, is big news. Yeah. Um, and uh, they had a, have a big army, almost like a Congress. Um, and uh, I was asked to go over there and I said, well, I'll, Actually, they didn't ask. I said I'd write a piece for the band. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I just use things that are lying around. Okay. Um, uh, and um, again, think that this theme of Thanksgiving, really. Uh, uh, but the, the opening, the fanfare. I'm getting. I'm not quite. I've got a little speaker, shall I use headphones? Let me just... Is that any better? Static. Static? Yeah, as if a bad... Oh, it's cleaning up now. I may have been telling my computer may have been doing... Any better? Oh, much better, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think my computer was trying to tell me something, so I've just closed off the warning. I apologise, sir. You were saying about the um, overseas band and you were writing. Yeah, okay. So the fanfare... Um, uh, I don't know if you know, oh, I'm terrible with names. He, he was at the time bandmaster at Kettering. That could be a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, I, well, I'm thinking the bandmaster, I mean, Richard Phillips, I think was at Kettering. No, this, anyway, he was getting married. Uh, and he was getting married to one of my former pupils uh, at Boscombe. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I found myself writing some music for the for the wedding, mm -hmm. uh, and and I I always think that weddings, you, you know, when you have the procession, um, someone says, "Oh, we'll have this music." But uh, most army halls, the 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 aisle is quite short, and the music goes on right. ages yeah. after the. And I thought, well, you've got quite a big hall there. It'd be nice to have a piece that actually lasted exactly from when the bride comes in mm -hmm. and and to the front and um it's still quite that's the fanfare um 
I'm not, I should be able to remember the name because the, the, the fanfare comes from the name because it's Roy and Lorraine. I love it. Yeah, and someone, uh, someone said to me, um, oh, Roy, we're doing your piece fanfare, fanfare um, him and Thanksgiving. And, and uh, Roy says it was written for his wedding. It wasn't, was it? And I said, oh, yes, it was. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I found it on, an, uh, I think, a, a Swiss CD. And as a, a set of kind of just three little tunes knitted together, it's so effective and simple. And I mean, it may not have been designed to be that, but it's kind of really joined up and it flows really well. But it's, a, it's an actual pleasure to listen to because it's not, you know, you don't have to listen for 25 minutes like a Beethoven sonata. It's quick and snappy and to the point. Yeah. And I think as a composer, you don't want to bore people to death, but if a piece of music... No, I, well, I have a go. <laughs> oh, jokes. Now, um, I think that, that, look, there's plenty of people that, that write stuff that's great to listen to, doesn't stay around for too long, yeah. uh, and, uh, it, and you can go away whistling it. Um, yeah. I, I don't really need to do that again as well. Yeah. What, what is there any piece of music that you've written that sort of comes back to haunt you because it's the most you know the most popularly recognized doubly bright piece you, 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 must be, you must be talking about um excelsior ah the second elephant in the room yeah my favorite piece of doubly bright music i'm afraid without a shadow of a doubt yeah well it's it's just a it's it's a it's a selection. It's an it's an overture. This yeah. is exactly what it what, what it was meant to be. Um, in 1990, we had the British Congress. Yes, I remember it. Yeah. And I um, much of it, but I was only about 13. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a friend uh, of mine was um, looking after the Youth Spectacular, which was going to be at Wembley Empire Pool. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was producing Ray Ray Begley. Uh, he was producing that <clears throat> and he said can you help me he said I've been let down but he said can you help me with the music and I thought wow you know staff band whatever I'll do it and he turned around and he said what I want is um, kind of West End show type band really yeah and I'm like oh I don't do that sort of thing um, but for this, I mean, I know Ray Begley's a, a trained dancer and has danced on stage professionally. Yeah. For, for a so was a show. Yeah. Yeah. For a for a Salvation Army sort of music event in an international congress to do a West End, you wouldn't have thought those two things would have gone together. No, well, if, there, there's a video knocking around. If you have a look at it, you'll see it was a great evening, fantastic. Um, and uh, he's he came up with a list of demands. Um, one of which was to write a, a theme tune for the evening. Yeah. Um, and another thing was to link in between uh, uh, Glory to His Name. Someone was going to sing Glory to His Name. And then um, the Scottish youth band was going to play Goldcrest. And he said, I've got 32 bars of dancing in between. He said, I couldn't wait around. I need music for that. So there were 32 bars um, of that. There was... Um, we're talking the right... We're, we're not talking the songbook version of Go To It. We're talking the Ray Stebbin Allen version of... 
Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, completely different. Because whenever we sing glory to his name and something, hang on a minute, that's the wrong one. Because I'm thinking yeah. glory to which is obviously the, I think Rosemary said it was his tribute to those blue smoky um, 60s Soho bar bands where the inspiration for that song came. So to find that in a youth piece, that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, that was being used that evening. So, um, and um, then he said, Ray said, oh, I, 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 I need an overture. Can you do an overture for the, 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 we called it the big band. There were no saxophones, but we couldn't get any saxophones, but we had trumpets, trombones, um, keyboards, bass, um, percussion. Um, and so I, I just grabbed the tunes that were being used during the evening and put them together in an overture. Yeah. And that was the overture of that. It did, it did start actually with a kind of, um, um, uh, how should well, I say? A very low-key start, hasn't it? Well, it originally started with a sort of Star Trek thing. Oh! But, <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, uh, Robert Redhead heard it and uh, said to me, I wonder, can you, can you do a, a brass band version? And we'd like to play it, the ISB, we'd like to play it at, at the Centenary, ISB Centenary which I think was next year, 1990, uh, 1991. Yeah. And that, that's, that was its first um, brass band performance. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't intended to uh, be a great piece or anything, but I think it's probably been recorded on, on more yes, albums. Uh, yeah. Than, than, yeah. I, so it's not an embarrassment because uh, people like it. Probably an embarrassing thing was... Um, turning up at uh, the bandstand in Boscombe, in Bournemouth, when the Household Troops band were there, and uh, John Mott turned around and saw me and said, oh, we're just going to play your piece, will you come and conduct? Uh, and I was on holiday, and I had a t-shirt and shorts on. Oh, yes. Classic. So, <laughs> that wasn't, that was, that was the embarrassing part, but... Um, you yeah, I, I mean, he didn't know you were going to be there. So no, no, he enjoyed the holiday. Yeah, oh, it didn't spoil it because that, I, you know, they played it very well, actually. Yeah, yeah. But the the bit I've got because I remember asking you on Facebook that I listened to this countless times, and I think it's the penultimate section just before we keep the uh, the da, 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 is I think the, the theme World Army Youth, if my memory serves me correct. That's the, that's the one I just mentioned that yeah. I was asked to write the theme tune for the evening. Yeah. So, that was the, and there's another version on the evening. There was a big Fist Division uh, ending, um, which isn't in the overture of, of that tune. Um, with the, I think there were something like 1,500 singing company members. Uh, mass, there was the Scottish Youth Band and um, a French Youth Band. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, a, uh, I don't know, some Melbourne Box Hill songsters or something. And they all sang it all at the end on all the, the whole cast. So there were mass timbrels and. I was just a recording of this. I didn't know there was a vocal version. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Who, who wrote the word? I mean, I know you wrote the chin. Can you remember who wrote the words for it? Because it, I do remember Julian actually produced a copy of the words. But as I said to him, can you ask the professor where the words came from? Because obviously they had to have singing and I knew there was a mass thing. No, I'm not a professor, by the way. Oh, you were? <laughs> no, no, no. I hold a position of professor 
of trombone at the Royal Academy of Music, but that doesn't entitle me to the the uh, t- title of being professor. Oh, you have to be specially, particularly elected by the university to be a, a professor, Another and, and to give an an, an, an inaugural lecture. Ooh. So, what um, are you doing I'm not. I don't have uh, those sort of things. Um, but yeah, the words were by uh, a dear friend at, um, at Ilford. Well, I asked him, because I knew he wrote poetry and I asked him to write some words. He wrote me four different uh, choruses. And actually I just put them together and uh, used them as verses and one of them as the chorus. But um, the, the music department didn't like the words and um, got someone else to rewrite them. They got them to rewrite them by uh, Malcolm Bale, rewrote the words. Oh, interesting. Another great, another great name. But it's never, it's never been published as a song. No, I was, I was surprised at that because you've got very little in the vocal that I could trace in the vocal thing. So are you more comfortable in the orchestral band field? Or is it just simply that's what you've written or been asked to write? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, lots of people write songs very beautifully. Uh, there's... There's no need, not that, not that a lot of people don't write very beautiful brass band music, but it's, it's yeah. what I know. Um, I, th- I think one of my exceptions to that rule is um, we used to, we soldiered at a, a core down the road from where I live now, um, Leightonstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, someone came up to me and said, it's the uh, centenary of the Home League. Yeah. And uh, there's a comp, uh, and the uh, home league was began at Leightonstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so there's a competition for a song, a home league song. Uh, and we're going to win it. And Mrs. Sylvester's going to write the words, and you're going to write the tune. Oh, God. That's almost a crib of Norman Beercroft Temple 85, isn't it? So, uh, she wrote the words, I wrote the tune, and it won. I think the prize was five pounds. Two pounds fifty each and a bag of chips on the way home? <laughs> yeah, I think I probably gave it to Mrs. Sylvester, but um, that, and that was published. And there's another one, there's a, which I rather like, uh, almost uh, very rhythmic song called Christ is Born. Uh, it's a Christmas, yeah. a Christmas, yeah. Christmas song. But yeah. that's it, really. Um, Paul Gerthard? Translation up because I tried to find the English lyrics and I couldn't. It's in the songbook. Yeah, because I I found it on your and it was like one vocal entry. I thought, oh well, he does he doesn't do vocal then. But <laughs> looking at your pieces, you almost I mean obviously you can write almost anything under the sun, and if you're called upon, you, you know it's a good challenge to. But I remember the lovely little prelude in Good Company. It's almost kind of that medieval Tudor thing in that well you know how did the in good company come about if you can remember uh no absolutely um well i was for i was for a few years bandmaster at ilford mm-hmm. yeah um when when i moved to the london symphony orchestra i had more time on my hands because it was basically a shared job um and i i was a, actually around at the army more uh, before that i was i sometimes go months i'd be away on tour or working um, but I had a little bit more time and so I was going to be at the core and 
um, they needed a bandmaster. So I took on the band for four years. And we had a weekend away and uh, we planned the weekend. Um, and uh, I wanted to do the, uh, the, you know, the famous Henry V pastime and good company. Yeah. Uh, but the cornet players complained. They said it was too, too, too much of a blow. <laughs> So I thought, well, if I can, if I can um, mix this in with something else. And the, we had a theme tune for the weekend. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Da, 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 da. Something like that. One of those. So I thought I would mix them together. Um, and um, it, it seemed a good good piece to start the second half after the interval and to, to begin with the uh, as people were milling around the cornets and trombone solo cornets and trombones would stand at the back of the hall and play this um uh renaissance sort of dance the, the henry v pastime of good company yeah. uh and the uh then when people began to wonder what's going on the, the rest of the band would come in with this uh, gospel song yeah uh, and they they were on the platform, and that the, the the change of key is about as far as you can get. It goes for an augmented fourth, diminished fifth. So it's a big, and it's like the poles apart. Um, and towards the end, they get actually begun begin to agree and <laughs> play in the same key. So you get you get one a, a phrase of one tune and then a phrase of the other in between. Yeah, it's not like one high, I think, isn't it? Da, 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 da. Yeah. I listened to a whole load of it earlier on deliberately, and uh, it all kind of melded into one. Um, yeah. so, I mean, I, I look at looking at your list. One thing you don't is a solo writer. I mean, obviously you've, you've done. You say you um, the, the trombone solo that you caused yourself grief for, but you know, selections, marches, hymn tune arrangements, like to serve and to save. Are you joyful? Strike for victory. A lot of you know, sort of tunes for openers and selections and stuff. But are there a load of sort of solos for instrumentation, instrumentational solos lying in the cupboard that haven't been mm -hmm. published yet? Uh, unfortunately, not. Uh, Strike for victory is a double quartet, so that's a solo piece. <laughs> that's that's four four cornets, solo cornets, and four trombones. Um, oh, of course, I don't think we've got any more. So, strike, strike for victory. Which is a lovely one. Yeah, that was written. That was written for the Regent Hall, actually, uh, for for a, a big occasion there, and for um, a reunion. So the cornets and trombones came from the past, as it were, <laughs> and so we had cornets and trombones strung out the back of the platform, and cornets and trombones in the band. But uh, it was very much an occasion piece. I was quite surprised when they published it. Um, I never. I don't think anyone's ever played it from the published. It was quite popular in America. Um, Bill Himes took it up. <laughs> yeah, they um, that annual uh, Canadian and Chicago staff band. They do an annual festival somewhere. Um, yes, I've got. Yeah, double CD. So solos. No, I mean, there's my own solo. Um, this, the trombone solo is the trombone duet when Jesus. Yeah, I managed um, to find yeah. a copy of that at last. So that seemed to disappear for a while. Okay, well, it, as it's not published, but um, 
that was that was written. I was asked to write that for the Albert Hall for the the um, year two thousand, um, and play it with a young lad called um, Chris Gomesall. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's also been re-recorded with Enfield with um, Andrew Justice and um, names again. I'm forget forgetting. I can grab the CD. Um, well, well, they they know who they are, and that's the important. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, but the, I wrote a, a concertino for my brother to play uh, okay. years ago. <laughs> I think he was still at school. He's a lot younger than me, um, and uh, I decided he, to write a little concertino for him to play with his school band. And um, I think he's played the, uh, the the middle movement quite a lot. Mm-hmm. He seems to enjoy that, but. Um, I, if I think about it, I could, I could probably mention a few solos that have said, will you write me a piece? But I've never got round to it. Oh dear. Well, they'll be flooded in. I want a trombone. I, I, I do remember that, um, Julian put a lovely video online. Um, I think it was for his daughter's birthday where you knocked out this march based on Bethany in about 24 hours. And there was a whole group of them in the kitchen. So speed isn't unimportant you can you, you have the ability to do a very effective piece very quickly i would guess it's not something that's difficult <laughs> well i i know the piece you're talking about and uh I, I wouldn't i wouldn't let that be published it would probably take me um you know a few months to knock it into shape what uh it, and uh and, that, and that's not the sort of it takes a while to come up with decent ideas. Yeah. Um, so if, 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 if it's not ever going to be played again, um, then you can be freer. You can like, well, if somebody doesn't like it, then fine, it's only a special well, occasion. Can, yeah, you can sort of reuse it in another piece or the yeah. ideas can be generated and it's a, it gives you an embryo for another thing. But is it something, I mean, some composers, I mean, you get actresses and actors who say that, in order to learn, they have to lock themselves away and cut themselves off from the world to be able to concentrate on the part and get the mood and understand it. When, you've, when you're writing pieces, what's the process for clearing the palette and saying, I've got to write a selection or I've been asked to write this Albert Hall piece or whatever. Where do you, do you have to sort of go in a lot of room or are you happy to sit in the living room with a computer or a pen and paper? What's the process for you? Uh, I think it's, it's probably different from, for every piece. Um, uh, as I've said, quite a few of my pieces have come from something else and there's been bits and pieces lying around, but, um, I, I think in my process often it's, um, it's trying to, I often get the tempo. If I can, if I can get the tempo of of the piece, Mm -hmm. um, and the the kind of smell of it, um, and then I, I might sort of rough down on, on many, yeah, still, you know, the, oh, oh, it's here. There was there was a manuscript book here just here this morning. Um, but just scribble down. Um, I I'm not very good at remembering things. I have an idea, and I'm not very very good at remembering. And and just a single line with with some counterpoint against it um, often um, goes a long way. And it's just a question of refining it and finding out what that's that's meant to me. Um, Not a smartphone full of voice memos then. I tried that once and it was horrendous. <laughs> <clears throat> I think uh, I've changed over the years and I've actually tried to get 
better at doing it. And um, I would like to get to the point where I could actually hear hear what I want in my head and then go and find out what it is. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things hanging around there at the moment that I actually haven't found out what the notes are, but I know what I want to write. Yeah. <laughs> something, something stimulates, stimulates you. Uh, this, there's something that you would like to hear, but doesn't exist. Interesting. Um, yeah. I just wonder because something you, know, you can have walk, you know, going along the walk in the dogs and something comes in and you have to write it down or you'll forget it. Or, you've got to lock yourself away because there's so many distractions in the modern world that you want to focus on, right? You've got to write this piece. You want to focus on it. It's kind of, okay. I mean, there are recordings of composers say the family were tooting away on their tricorders and practicing their corner trees. And I had to write this march or this selection for the band for the anniversary. And the, the, you know, I had to sit down and physically write it out. So the process depends on what the piece is for you. Oh yeah. They're, no two are the same. Um, I, I can think of times when I, well, huh. and the music for the, that Congress that, that I was telling about that youth spectacular, um, it was, it, it was horrendous because I didn't have much time and it was unfamiliar to me. And I had a, a, a tour of, uh, Spain with the orchestra that I was in the Philharmonia orchestra in those days. Um, and I think I probably slept about an hour a night. Yeah, uh, I was just desperately trying to get it together, mm-hmm. um, and I, when I came when I came home, I was trying to put it together, and I, I don't have a good enough ear to be confident about without smashing things out on the piano. I'm not I'm not a pianist either, <clears throat> and um, my wife gave pushed a, I think she pushed a card under the door, <laughs> and and she said if it wasn't for the last minute, you'd never get anything done. Uh, and um, yeah, sometimes the, the I find I think a re- recurring theme is the pressure. Um, I need to if I need to do something, if I've got all the time in the world, I I just can't get it to come through. And of course, being a professional musician, you d- day in day out, you're playing the best music there is. Yeah, which is which is and without extremely high quality as well, aren't you? Uh, yeah, uh, and um, yeah, you don't get the London Symphony Orchestra to play your piece. Although yeah. it would be nice to, to do that. Um, so that as soon as you try and think of something of your own, you realise it's woefully inadequate. Um, so you have to kind of distance yourself from that, that music. Okay. Um, uh, the, um, the most unusual place you've had a message come through of a piece of your music being played. I mean, we've had, I think South Korea, Romania, the middle of Zimbabwe, at the moment, rank. So, where's the most unusual place you've had an email or a text message or a postcard saying we played your music in Botswana or whatever? Well, I never have any. So, this I can't say. Really? Play. No, you've never had an email from someone who said we played a Simon in our Jubilee band we, and it was fantastic. No, I don't really. I'm astonished. Given the brilliance of your music, Dudley, that no one in the world has ever... You realise you're not going to be inundated with... I meant to tell you this last week. We played a Simon. We played Excelsior. <laughs> I, th- I did... Uh, I'm just remembering about a couple of years ago, I think it was, um, I, had, I was on tour in America 
uh, with the, the uh, Philharmonia Orchestra. And um, I d did come across, I don't know if it was even a message to me, I come ac came across um, notice of uh, a band in America playing one of my pieces. Uh, and I, I went straight to Google Maps and found that it was actually about 30 miles away from where I was, where I was actually at that, at that time. Um, and um, I did that, send them a message, say, do you realise I'm just more or less up for the Americans, that's, yeah. up, that's just up the road, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what happened to that, but uh, mostly I'm, yeah, I, look, I, you know, I don't like to criticise anybody, but um, I, I was involved in a, um, a special evening at St when Staines Corps first opened. Um, they put together a, um, a sort of hand-picked band to do an evening festival, mm -hmm. and I was asked—I was asked to to conduct and um, and put put the program together. And um, in the course of the program, we played "Fanfare for Him and Thanksgiving." Um, yeah, I found out later that very weekend the staff band were recording "Fanfare Him and Thanksgiving." Well, it is a good piece, and, and but no, yeah, nobody mentioned it. Yeah, but, but, and yeah, there, no one came up and says, "Oh, we've just recorded this." <laughs> I just, it is it, really strange. Alone. I've, I've had email. I mean, I've had people that I've spoken to, and I will give them dignity. And he said, "You know what?" I said, "I've had that for the core band. I don't know how the music department got hold of it. I didn't even know it got published until I saw it in the journal the next year." So, Hang on, where did that? No one ever bothered to tell me. So I don't think you're alone in that. No. So well, I, I, I know that they um, want to record your music, and it's not a case of oh, not another Dudley Bright symphony, but it's kind of hey, we've got another Dudley Bright piece, and this is going to be good. He knows how to write because you've got the professionalism and the technique to do it. Oh, uh, mm, yeah. yes. I, I, I'm thinking that uh, uh, yeah, in in good company there. Uh, when the staff band visited America in uh, 1957, um, Eric Leidstein uh, mentioned they played some some of his pieces, yeah. and I, th I think at least one of them he said he'd never heard before, and they'd been written in the 1930s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I I, th I think this the thing is these days that um, the availability of recordings, even videos, is it, it's so much more than it ever used yeah. to be. And I, I don't think composers particularly did ever hear their music. <laughs> and then they perhaps wish they had. You know, like Barry Gott said, I, I, was a man, he said I was in Pasadena and the band in Botswana or something said we played Lightwalk. He said, a Botswana band playing Lightwalk? I, yeah. I can imagine the, the, the international staff band or the German staff band playing it. You know, some of these pieces are not something you twiddle together with three quiet players and a trombone player. And yet they're willing to have an attack at this and go, because they really want to play this music. So, you know, we really want to give it justice. So, um, what, what's... In go on. Well, I, I think it's interesting that... Um, I, I've always felt that my, my music is uh, awkward rather than difficult. And uh, it's, it's not really available to a lot of average bands um to to, to play because it, it's it's awkward 
uh, some of the key shifts and things like that. Um, and I don't go out my way to make it make it easy. It's just like well, but that's uh, so, writing, so a lot of the time it's 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 uh, a, a struggle to get it down. So I'm grateful for whatever comes out in the end. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and I've always admired that you know that our our great you know the big names in the, in the army that that can write pieces that um, actually sound okay played by appalling bands. <laughs> and if I if you know if I had an ambition, it would be to maybe write something that sounded okay. You could tell it was a decent piece, even if it was played very poorly. I think it's a case of you get these pieces and say, you know what, it's a bit beyond this, but we want to have a crack at it because we want to prove to ourselves that, you know, I, I, I remember seeing the music for Silent on the Sound and saying, thank goodness we're not playing that because I, I think I'd have a double headache just trying to understand the, you know, the, you know, the notation. But you listen to it, it's a cracking march and it's really got speed and pace to it. And I think that's what served you. I mean, you say about being awkward and stuff, but I, I look at some of your pieces, they're functional, Near the Cross, Abundant Joy, which I haven't mentioned, a wonderful little medley of different tunes, but it serves the purpose. And you oh, well, that, yes, the purpose of that was, um, uh, it's quite a long time ago, I remember yeah. going to a, a, a band yeah, weekend. A, published, but I think Hendon Baden recorded it in the mid-70s, which is why I've got Yes, to... yeah, but I, I, I went, went to a, a band, band uh, away weekend and listened to the band on the Sunday afternoon and uh, thought the music was totally inappropriate for families and young children. Uh, and I thought, well, okay, they're playing the stuff that people expect. It was, a, you know, one of our top bands. Mm. And uh, you're thinking, well, they're playing the stuff that people, are, you know, they don't want to go along and hear Enfield or ISB playing little ditties, you know, that will please a four-year-old. Um, they want to hear something with a bit of guts to it. So fair enough. Um, but I thought, well, why can't we combine the two? Something that's actually going to be uh, a little bit of a, mm -hmm. something yeah. that's going to take a bit of work, a bit of playing, that aficionados are going to appreciate the playing, but actually it's got tunes in it that, that um, small children might know. Well, probably small children at the time. Yeah. Well, it reminds so me that, of things like Blythe Heritage and Splendour of Youth. Yeah, well, this was before that. that. Yeah. Oh, Splendour of Youth. No, that was Phil Catlin, eh, wasn't it? No, Spl um, Splendour, Splendour of Youth Condon. Oh, right, okay. I think there's another youth, youth something or other. Yeah. But um, I, I think Blythe Heritage was talking about. Yeah, but that was, uh, um, that, was, that was where that came from. Um, yeah. uh, also, something that my, my kids would enjoy. Yeah. So b bearing in mind that, you know, we're in this... The, the, the reason why this project is going is because of lockdown and we can't get out and practice with the orchestra and band. How, how is, has it allowed the compositional pen to uh, come out with some pieces that have been pestering you for the while? Or yeah. have you been kind of forcing yourself to relax and go, do you know what, I can chill, I can, you know. Um, if you look around my house, there's so much that needs doing um, that I haven't even written anything. I've done some doodling. I, I, I do try and train myself. Um, I, I do exercises and things with, with pencil and paper. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I don't, at the moment, have... Oh, there's quite, there's quite a few pieces that are waiting to be d done. Um, and uh, you, I don't know if you realise about Pursuing Horizons, which 
was done yeah, at the I, ISB. I, I've heard it. It's a lovely. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, Another epic, I think, isn't it? Sorry. Another epic, I think, Shining Horizons. <laughs> well, it was it was written it was written for the uh, secular use uh, for uh, orchestral brass yeah. um, to be played on a course by the National um, the London Symphony Orchestra Brass Academy. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, the, Steve Cobb heard that and he said, well, will you arrange it for band? And actually tried not to do it. <laughs> uh, but he said, no, no, I think it's, uh, I said, be it on your head. Uh, if it doesn't work, <laughs> don't- Be honest. Don't say I didn't tell you so. <laughs> but he was right, I think it, I think it worked. Um, and it was done by the mass band, mass staff bands as well. Um, but uh, that had started off as another piece. Mm -hmm. So I've got three more of those. Um, I did one every four years uh, for the uh, London Symphony Brass Academy. Yeah. So they're waiting to be done, to, to be uh, turned into a band thing. And they're, they're, it's, they're not just a straight arrangement. They're also, they're kind of recomposed in a way. Yeah, so you're sort of taking notes and stuff you've done before and reimagining them or it comes back you you couldn't find a, a place for that piece of music and then it comes back yeah that will fit that will work kind of thing yeah well you don't if you if, if i write something for a brass ensemble and these these were large brass ensembles actually the, the pursuing horizons the there were actually 40 different parts wow uh, I, uh, yeah originally uh and there were three groups of, of brass ensemble and and the thing is you don't have to worry about people getting tired because um you can you can they haven't got the chance to because you're being so awkward no well, there's no there's plenty of players so it goes from one group if you if you imagine three bands yeah. and so you know one band can play one bit and another band can play another bit so and they, then they get to rest so it's not hard work um but the others were written for basically two orchestral brass sections Mm -hmm. the, the sort of size that would be three or four trumpets, three or four trombones and four horns and a tuba, um, just spaced in a, in a V playing against each other. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the instruments are different. The sounds are different. So when you, when it goes from, from one medium, uh, you wouldn't write it like that for a brass band. Yeah. You, you, there's a lot more kind of runs and fingered, finger twiddling uh, and less, less, stentorian chords and fanfare stuff yeah. so, so you have to try and reimagine it okay um outside i mean you, you you're busy with the orchestras and with regent hall and with the the teaching and the mentoring outside of your music what, what do you enjoy doing i mean do you, i know you you love your trombone playing but you know if you have to put you aside and go out for a walk and you see something, you know, reading, what, what other passions are there in the bright life? Uh, none really, is that boring? I don't, no reading, no watching TV, loving the old cinemas? Uh, watch TV when the, uh, with, uh, with my wife and uh, uh, we've been married many years and uh, we have our way of living, which is surviving this <laughs> lockdown. She's counted as a vulnerable person, so we've been staying inside. Um, yeah. I do what ne what's necessary, um, DIY stuff. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, I love the, I, my wife's great at the garden and I love, love my garden, love her garden, I should say. <laughs> and, and the weather we've ha been having, it's just been wonderful. Uh, I yeah, just yeah. sit there, um, take an interest in what's going on. Uh, I think there's, there's too much in music to, to give any time to, to do anything else. Yeah. Uh, there's, um, there's so much great music I've never heard. And to yeah. get a chance to hear it for, for the first time. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I know you worship with the Regent Hall band, um, with the Conrad's in Regent Hall. But, you know, if, if, you're, if the lockdown ended tomorrow and you were back to what you should have been doing on Monday morning, what would that involve in a professional capacity? Well, look, this is, this is a really, I, I don't have the answer to that. I know, no one has the answer to that because um, as with all performing situations, nobody knows. And it, it, it could be, let's hope, let's hope it springs back. Yeah. Um, but at this point in time, um, I mean, I'm, I'm officially retired. So, oh, I didn't um, know that. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my, when I retired from the London Symphony Orchestra, or I think they kicked me out, um, I, I've actually been busy in a freelance capacity because that's, that's how things have gone. Um, I but you professionally involved with the orchestra, but I didn't know whether the retirement had come in yet or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so from the actual position, the actual seat, as it were, in the London Symphony Orchestra, I retired two years ago. Okay. Um, in fact, almost exactly two years ago. Um, but I've been back and played with them, play with most of the orchestras. Um, I was uh, due to, at the beginning of the lockdown, I, I was just on the verge of going up to play with the Northern Symphonia Orchestra um, and to sit next to Richard Martin, which I was looking forward to uh, enormously. And that was the first time I'd, I would have played with them, but that was canceled. Yeah. Um, but um, it's a, a dreadful situation. Uh, and um, I, it's gonna be, it's a lot worse for a lot of people than for me. So if I have to just stay at home, then I'll stay at home. Um, I'm still doing my teaching. I'm doing teaching online. I'm, as I'm saying, I'm a professor, not a, not professor, a professor of trombone at the Royal Academy of Music, and uh, um, it's it's interesting to to uh, consider how how you can do things online. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I've, yeah, I've got some projects going on, not really composition projects, but I'm learning quickly about. Um, uh, computer audio and video and stuff. Let's join the club. Yeah, aren't we all? Uh, um, so yeah, my t my time's busy. I'm glad to hear it. I, it's really that you're not letting it get to you and you're keeping active. I think that's really important. Um, do you have a favorite um, Sarah song in it at the moment that keeps coming back to you, or is there one that has always been there? Um, that's difficult. I'd never thought about that. There's, I think there's some that always, um, the amount of times I get my life must be Christ's broken bread quoted back at me. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, 
I, I love the tunes rather than uh, and if I love the tunes and I love the words. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the, the Denmark Hill is one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Brent Brantwood, I love thee who thou art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, particularly, I, th- I, I, I go back to the um, Norman Bearcroft arrangement of uh, male for male voices with that yeah. has Calvary a track, I think. Uh, yeah the Calvary track I think that's that's really special I love that but do, uh, that reminds me of an unpublished piece that the army the ISB recorded and I was surprised that it wasn't and it's your salvation waltz because that's almost that's in places very um beer crofty but yeah that's it published yeah I thought that it's almost like in taking some of the wonderful old tunes and put them in the what it's got that kind of sense of humour to it. I mean, I think the, the CD says it's more uh, Ravel than, you know, Debussy or whatever, but um, how, just quickly, how did Salvation Waltz come about for those who was lucky enough to have the CD with the recording on it? Yeah. Um, well, I, that was a request um, from the uh, New York staff band. Ew, yeah. uh, it, uh, assignment was a, a request from the New York, New York staff band about, about the same time as um, Peter Graham wrote uh, Ambassadors. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I, I wrote Assignment, and that's uh, the the kind of energy in that was. I was trying to um, uh, pick up on that um, very American New Yorkian yeah uh, uh, sense. Yep. Um, and uh, and they also played confrontations quite a bit around that time. Okay. Uh, assignment was uh, um, take Jesus to all the world. That they'd got a world tour, right. so I think that that was where that came from. Uh, and then I had a a letter from them saying, would would I write a piece? Would I write them a selection mm-hmm. um, f- for something or other? Uh, and um, I've never written a selection in my life. And probably never will. I, I don't. Um, Hang on. Uh, in the strength of the king, abundant joy. They all no, none out. of them. None of them are selections. I put a selection. A selection being. I'll take your, I'll take your word for it. You're the boss. Yeah, a, a, a selection being uh, a, th- a theme and um, ver- a number of songs on that theme, one after another, medley or whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, so they asked me for a selection and um, I, I didn't want to write a selection. Uh, although actually you'd be surprised that there's some very fine pieces that are actually selections. Uh, that, that I, I no, notice now the music department don't tell us what kind of piece that we're playing. They just give us the title. Have you noticed yeah, that? I have noticed that. It's very hard yeah. when you want to catalogue it. Is it a festival arrangement? Is it a festival march? Is it yeah. a toe? What's the difference between a tone poem and a, a variations on a theme planning? Yeah, and of, co- and of course, well, in some ways, all Salvation Army music is tone poems. Yeah. Um, but we normally think of it as a tone poem, for instance, as being some kind of epic piece, which is not necessarily true. And I think they're, they're probably right to, so that people don't categorise something that is not meant to be categorised in a way. A title is enough. Um, but anyway, I thought, how can I write a selection that uh, isn't um, what I think of as a selection? Uh, 
you know. Well, what comes, haven't you? I mean, you, yeah. they've given you an idea. To, this is what came out of the creative process. Yeah. So, and I, and that, um, it, it is, there's a piece, there's a piece by um, Ravel, you're right, called um, La Valse, which is the waltz. Um, but it's not uh, a waltz in the uh, Viennese sense, in the, the Strauss's, yeah. Johann Strauss. It's, a, um, it's, a, it's an impression of, uh, and, and the idea that um, uh, Ravel had this idea for La Valse and the, 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 the people swirling around and getting more and more uh, hectic. Uh, and, I, and I thought about these, the, all these people who've been saved Mm. The, and this great dance to celebrate their their salvation and the, uh, I don't know if they would what they would be wearing whether they'd be wearing Salvation Army uniform or not. Mm. <laughs> and it's a slight it's a slight take on uh, I think uh, James Kerno's uh, the Great Salvation War. Yes, a, yeah. a great uh, a great Salvation Waltz, uh, a Salvation Waltz. Uh, I think that's probably where the title came from. Um, very, very I, yeah, I deliberately tried to uh, um, make it sound more like Laval, so that was a, a, a bit of a pastiche. Um, but it's 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 for, it's hard to play light enough. It's the thing with the brass band is that you most of the instruments are foreground instruments, uh, and if you take an orchestral score, sometimes it's really surprising how much music is going on that you can't hear. Really. Okay. Yeah, um, and uh, we like, as as brass people, we tend to hear the, what the brass are doing and, <laughs> and the percussion are doing, mm -hmm. um, and, the, and then you 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 could pick up an orchestral score and be surprised uh, what a lot of texture is going on in in the strings and the and the wind, mm -hmm. and you can't really do that with brass band because it's all foreground; it's all at the same level. Mm -hmm. um, and that, well, it takes a very sensitive um, group to be able to get, have people playing stuff that isn't really meant to be heard. Oh, okay. I, yeah, you see what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah so it's, it's it, that, that, the juice, really. I mean, you, yeah. you've just got to, you know, I think Bill Hunter said, you know, um, if it's not there, it ain't going to come. And if you've got the idea of someone said, can you have a crack at it? He said, well, I'll give you what comes out. It may not necessarily be what you want, but I think half the time, if you ask a composer for a piece and you say, can you write me a march or a hymn tune, and, you, and you've had something written, you're like, thank you, you've been able to do something. We really thank you for taking the time and effort. Um, I think your credentials are impeccable for yourself, sir. And I think that, that as a, a veteran salvationist musician writer, your reputation is secure. And there's no doubt that you're up there. That doesn't, that doesn't really matter though, does it? But no, but I think it's a credit to you that these pieces may come out of the back garden, that people will be saved and blessed and we'll be able to think. But have you got a favourite Bible verse or verses that you cherish and treasure? Or is it just whatever you read next? Uh... Well, I, I was asked to do a, a talk on, uh, online talk for um, a section fairly recently and um, it's that's a whole different thing but uh, when I, I realized that I hadn't included a bible reading uh, and I said look actually 
I would include the whole Bible because this is what this is all about. Um, That's a so lot. Yes, it's, it's like I know it's that what normal people say. It's like being asked to choose between your children. Uh, but I mean, if I if if there's one go-to verse, uh, not a verse um, chapter is Philippians four, okay. four to nine, um, and which has been at the back of my head for for many years. Um, like studying the Purcell anthem that starts um, uh, rejoicing the Lord all way. And again, I say rejoice. Um, that's always been there. But it's thinking, think on good things, whatsoever things are of good repute, etc., etc. Yes. Um, yeah, that's special for me. I'm really pleased to hear that because it's really been nice to be able to hear the the fun and the inspiration and the passion behind the music and in a sense to try and learn the stories behind the compositions, the commissions and the pieces of music that have your name on it. And for people to go, Dudley Bright? Oh, he's a trombonist and he, I don't really, I'm not quite sure about this, but we can play it. That people want to play your music and are interested in learning more about you. So I really want to thank you for just taking the time to walk through your compositional history explain the, the techniques and the passions and the, the fun stories and the, the stories that move you as well. So we thank you very much for that. I'm going to pray with you. Um, as always, feel free to join in, dance around the room, walk the dogs, entirely up to you. But dear Lord, yet again, a privilege to pray with such a, a wonderfully gifted man. I thank you for Dudley. I thank you for his family. I thank you that he has followed faithfully your skills that you have embedded in him and that whether it's his professional life in the orchestras working with the children the youth or the professional brass bands that are so famous in great britain and across europe that he, he is very much aware of the reality of his day-to-day -day talents and his limitations but he doesn't allow that to be held back lord and when he's serving you and when he's trying to write these pieces for you that you're very much in the center of it and that the truth of the, the words and the music are very much in his faith and following you and we thank you for his faith in you his wantingness and his willingness to follow you we thank you for all those who've inspired him in the music and the concerts and the conversations that he've had with people from all genres and fields of music and of interests. We just thank you Lord for his life, his work, the people who've mentored him and the people he comes into contact with that just feel blessed for having known Dudley, whether it's his pupils or his friends and neighbours, who that simple handshake, that smile will maybe hit something that none of us will know about. But I just want to thank you Lord for his compositional gifts that you've blessed him with, that he continues to use as effectively as he can and that when he gets stuck and when he's doubting, he knows you are there to move him in the right direction. So I just want to leave him and his family in your hands now, Lord, that you'll strengthen them. Give him that courage in the next few days and weeks to just get through this very mucky time, Lord. But knowing that you are there and that they can rely on you 100%. I simply say thank you for the life and work and the continued life and work of Dudley Bright. And the privilege is to be able to play, listen and to speak to him. And for me, Lord, to be able to call him as a friend. Amen. Thank you. Right. I will...